How's it going? Welcome to this week's episode of Paddy Talks Golf. Brought to you as ever, thanks to the folks in Seed Golf Balls. So head over to seedgolf.com and try them today. They're the same quality as all those premium golf balls, but half the price. So it's a no-brainer. So check them out. On this week's episode, we have Owen Gibbons. We talk about the before and after. His approach to the game, his earliest memory in golf, and yeah, what he's all about. How things have been going post-lockdown, which was pre-this lockdown. Yeah, I'm a lockdown type of world. So yeah, sit back, relax. If you're on a walk, you can still leave a review. Just scroll up, hit those five stars, tell me what you think, any feedback. Uh, but yeah, thank you all for pressing play every week. Let's get stuck in with Mr. Gibbons. Roll it there, Colette. This week's show, we have a man who's renowned for building consistent, high-performing golf swings. Kilkenny man, we won't hold it against him. Owen Gibbons, welcome to the show, my friend. Uh, thank you, Paddy. Thanks for having me on. Sure, no problem at all. We know we know each other a couple of years at this stage. How are things up in North Dublin? Uh, they're fantastic. We're uh, extremely busy, which is great. Um, a lot of people out playing golf and taking up golf, which is great for the golf industry. Since... May, how many new lessons, like new people, new faces have you seen? Probably 30, 40. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot coming down one man's bay, isn't it? Uh, would, you, would, would you have ever seen that kind of influx of new lessons before? Or is this on unknown ground? I would say it's, it's unknown ground. Um, I suppose... COVID isn't a great thing, but it seems to be a good thing for golf. You know, with, with the pubs being closed, uh, other sports uh, not being uh, played, it's been great for golf. Uh, it's an outdoor game, which is great. It is, it works. It works. And the way the way most people play golf, it wouldn't be that social. So one fella generally goes left and one fella generally goes right off the tee. So um, just try and get your pair some your 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 foursomes matched up, folks, that you are like a million miles away from each other. On, exactly. I don't know where we'll start. I suppose we'll start at the start. Will we like what's your earliest memory of golf? Um, my earliest memory of golf, I suppose, uh, was my dad bringing me to a par three golf course. Um, caddying in Mount Juliet was probably my first kind of entry into proper golf um, and from there I suppose I joined local clubs in Kilkenny uh, I don't know how I got myself down but I got down enough to turn pro and that's kind of my earliest it was probably you know my father was the main influence in getting into golf so um, I won't ask what decade you turned pro in but um 
at that time, was there what was the competing event that helped you or encouraged you to go all in on turning like doing your PG and turning professional? I suppose um, I got an opportunity to caddy at the uh, AIB uh, Seniors Open in Mount Judith, and I, I got the caddy for a guy called Bernard Gallagher, who would have been Ryder Cup captain, and uh, opened up my eyes to what professional golf was. Um, and then I suppose getting lessons growing up uh, was always something I always wanted to do was was working for. And I fancied golf. Um, and I'm fortunate enough that I'm in it now about 17 years. So, yeah, I, uh, it was pretty much Irish Opens, Mount Juliet, going and getting golf lessons off likes of Bobby Brown, Brenda McDade, that kind of stuff really kind of opened my eyes to what career I wanted to have. Very good. So like even as lately as, as this morning on a on a Facebook group, it went up the question to, I don't know, maybe in the group like 8,000 or 12,000 or something, golfers in Ireland. And the question was, um, does anybody know where you can get golf lessons in Dublin? Right. So naturally enough, I would have plugged people I would have had on the podcast or not, or or, or upcoming, uh, like yourself or Mr. Keating or Hazel or you know Colin Moriarty, those type of people, because I know what their approach is to the game, having had a good, decent chat with them. So if you were to reply to that post and say why they should come to you, what would you have written? Well, my answer to that, Paddy, is you go for golf lessons or you pay for a service, you get results. So um, the answer would be results. Um, if you want to get your handicap cut, if you want to improve your knowledge of your golf game, um, if you want someone to not just be a golf instructor, but be a coach, which I think there's a, there's a, a vast difference between an instructor and a coach. Um, that would be my response. Um, I'm fortunate enough, uh, I've got a good client base, and I believe that client base came from my clients' testimonials or they're reducing their handicaps or their scores. So I would believe that anyone's paying a money for a service, the first thing it should be results-based. Yeah, because that, that's the measure, you know. Are you getting better or are you not? And I suppose, I, I saw it lately as well, like a couple of weeks ago now at this stage, where uh, another coach in Dublin was suggesting, you know, if the player doesn't understand what's going on and only see the before and after, that's not good enough. But, like I spoke to you before, and while like I might pretend to want to know all the technical babble or like the numbers and what's my path, the number and my, you know, all that. Like, I'm too thick. I can't take it all in. But like, uh, <laughs> you know, if you tell me to get my left pocket out of the way, then then I'm good with that instruction. So how, how would you address, you know, the different needs of your players, you know, in terms of what they want, need to hear and what they want to hear and who's technical and who's not? Okay. So the... The way I would put this, Paddy, is every coach is different, and I, I wouldn't have an opinion on any coach. Um, I believe anyone that's getting golf lessons, the coach is there to try their best to get the best out of their client. So 
there's a, you get into the before and after set, um, area that was mentioned. I can think of 10, 15 top 20 pros in the world that use before and after to help their clients. So, and that to me, I'll leave it, I'll leave it hanging. Everyone can have their opinion on that. But uh, at the end of the day, golf instruction is about results. So the coach can only um, advise the person that's in front of him. So a good coach or an elite coach will do whatever it takes to get the best out of that client. So as you said, you're not massive technically, so we'd have to take an approach that suits you. Then there's some guys that are very technical, want to know every inch of trackman information. They want to know their uh, 3D information. They want to know their hack motion information. They want to know their ground force reaction stuff. Everyone is different. The coach's job at the end of the day is to get the player better and for the player to understand what they do to improve their ball foot. At the end of the day, everyone coaches different. If you look at, I can name George Gankis teaches different than Mike Bender. Mike Bender teaches different than Chris Como. They're all different people. I would say, you know, Chris Como is more technical than Mike Bender, but they're two elite golf coaches, but they will adapt to the client. The most important person getting the lesson is the client. So you have, as a coach, you have to figure out what is best for this client. And just to make it uh, back with the technical stuff, if you know the information, you can explain it to a four-year-old. It doesn't have to be complicated. So the guys that know it the most make it sound the easiest or the simplest. So I would say you can be technical, but the client doesn't have to know he's technical if you're um, explaining it in simple format. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like I can think of from listening to other podcasts because I'm too small time to have them on mine. Um, like Matt Wallace reconstructed his entire swing because he got super technical and just mapped out the, all the P, all the positions, P1, P2, all the way up to where you, where you stop, P7 or 8, I don't, even I don't know. P10, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, P10. Yeah, all your goals like three quarters of the way. Roy McAvoy type of stuff. Um, and then you've matched his Patrick who was on On Your Edge. I just finished that podcast and it was like, he doesn't get super technical, but he just wants the bit, the one bit of information that will get him to his swing to the next level in its development. You know, so at the moment, it's the it's the path number on Trackman, but none of the other numbers. Doesn't care, right? And then you've Eddie Pepper, who just, if he can do three drills on the range, he's happy with that, you know? Because those three drills define whether his swing is in the right place or not for him, you know? So, so yeah. In terms of you, you have a reputation for building very high-performing, consistent golf swings, Mr. Gibbons. And with that means elite golfers. So how would you approach, or is there much to do with elite golf? And we're talking, you know, someone, you know, senior cups are like three, four handicap up to the plus three or four, that type of bracket. Um, good question. Uh, everyone is different. Um, some people might need to have a kind of reconstruction. Some people might need to fix one or two little things. Um, all depends on one, what the client wants, two, 
um, what I believe would make them better. But also, whatever I decide or my opinion on it, it also has to be agreed with uh, the player. Now, we're lucky enough that I have the technology to back up what I'm trying to say. Um, so it kind of gets the, the client a little bit more comfortable with, with what I'm suggesting. Um, but the answer to the question, not really. Um, if I'm teaching an 18 handicapper, I'm going to try and teach them to get down to scratch. So I don't teach, get someone from 18 to 17. My aim is to get that client, whoever it may be, to be the best they can physically be. And, and I would take the approach the same with, you know, guys that are playing for a living or guys that are only taking up the game. Um, I have my philosophy um, on what a Gosling should do. And that that's the way I, I would take the approach. Um, probably, there's probably a little bit more mental side into it as well when it comes to the lower guys. Work ethic. Um, I'm big on work ethic. So um, if you want to get down from four to scratch or four to, to plus three or four, there has to be some work ethic in it. You know, um, practice an hour longer. You know, practice your short game more. There has to be some sort of work ethic in it as well. But yeah, there's, there's you're working on similar things, maybe a little bit more detailed with the with the better player, but you're treating everyone the same with the same goal: get lower, shoot lower scores, enjoy it more. And with your career, you're trying to progress from a certain tour to the next tour. You're always trying to get better. Absolutely, and like a quote from Tiger Woods is, you know, the best thing about tomorrow is there's another day to get better. Well, I suppose if if um, if someone comes to and says, I work ethic, check, you know, current handicap, you know, somewhere between five and 15, you know, and they're like, okay, what's the what's the philosophy? You know, how are you going to help me? Can you break it down? Um, obviously, the first thing I will do is do an assessment. So I use um, TrackMan for this. So I'll do like a combine test to see what their, their ball striking level is like. Um, then I'll do an assessment of the overall golf swing, so cause and effect, you know, why is this happening, What's, why is this happening, why is this shot coming out of nowhere, all that kind of stuff. So I'll do an over, kind of like an MRI scan on the golf swing. And then we come up with a plan, so we would break it down into a time scale. So, you know, three months time we want to have this done, or this done, and six months time we want to have this goal. So we're always kind of we would say the assessment is the first thing, trying to match up the assessment with, with the goals and figure out a plan between uh, lesson one, lesson five, lesson five, lesson 10. So it's always trying to make the progress um, going forward, trying to get better. But my philosophy would be, you know, I, I like to think, keep things simple. Um, if software can't go really wrong, um, so, you know, good face of path control, good body structure, um, just a repeatable motion where someone can self-analyze. I think the big thing that people struggle on the golf course is they hit a shot and they don't know why. One mm -hmm. thing I do like to teach my clients is why a certain shot is happening. Uh, their, their, their tendencies. Every good player has a bad shot in them. But to understand why that shot is happening, so you can 
if you can understand your tendencies, you can fix the problem. You said there, lesson one, lesson five, lesson five, lesson ten. We're coming to the end of the golf season here now in Ireland. So the time this podcast goes out, you know, you're looking at it's the, it's the end of October now. Um, so for me, normally it's okay, end of the golf season. Where do I want to start next year, which is end of March, April, you know, Masters time. And, you know, I want to be prepared to hit the ground running. Now, COVID kind of stopped everyone's plan this year. But um, what is this? Is it the perfect time to go address your golf swing now? You know, when you have November, December, January, February, you know, to go to something like yourself and map out, map out, you know, a good block of work to do and accomplish. I would always say I'm like a Jekyll and Hyde teacher, you know, I'm, I'm Mr. Nice Guy in the summer and probably a bit of a, I'm going to say the word dickhead in the winter. Uh, I never call you a dickhead, Owen. Uh, well, uh, there's plenty of that that probably call it. <laughs> but what I would say is I'm a little bit stricter when it comes to the winter because my idea is that I want my clients to change uh, in the winter and enjoy their golf in the summer. So, I, I would be, um, what's the word? Say you came to me in October and you wanted to change, we would do the plan up to March uh, and then kind of say during the summer we will maintain what we've we've done in the winter and then we go again in the following October. So, for example, we'll, we'll give an example of Luke this year. Uh, Luke Mr. Donnelly. Yeah, he did a good, lot of good work um, in the winter. I haven't seen him since May. Uh, and I think he's had out of 20 rounds, he's had 1800 par rounds of golf. So, all the hard work he's done in the winter has allowed him to uh, play steady golf in the summer. So, I have a, a saying, Paddy, you train to perform. So, if you train properly, you can perform properly. There's nothing worse than going on the golf course trying to train. You know, why is it going this way? Beep this, beep that. You want to know, and if you have a good structure and a good golf course, and there's plenty of good golf coaches in this country, um, they will build a plan and they'll tell you why you're hitting certain shots and relate the technique to the ball flight. And I, I'm a big believer if you do a good winter program, you don't really have to see your golf course as much in the summer. So if I did five or six lessons, or even more in the winter, I probably go to see that same client maybe once in June, once in July, and once in August. Not not going to see him every two weeks, every three weeks. It's, it's once a month, just to make sure that they're maintaining the gosling and their ball flight is good and all that kind of stuff. No, it's definitely it's definitely the time for graft. Now, just because we mentioned Mr. Donnelly. Um, I don't think I've ever seen, and maybe he just puts up the same video up every day. I don't think I've seen someone who hits quite as many golf balls as he does. Have you any idea? So he does like eight to ten hour shifts, doesn't he? Well, Paddy, you finally give out to me for saying this, but uh, when Luke came to me first, I think he shot 85 in Battle Tray in this, the uh, east of Ireland. And I went, to, I went to watch him hit golf balls, and I said, okay, Tell me your practice, and he told me this blah blah blah. So, cut a, a long story short. Um, a year later, he shot sixty-two in the European Tour. Your or two years later, he shot sixty-two in the European Tour qualifying event. So, I always told him, I said, I got you from shooting eighties to sixties. But 
the coach is only as good as the client is. So it's like going to a doctor. Here, Paddy, stop smoking. And you walk out the door and you still smoke. So Anyhow, I, I've quit it, okay? Yeah. I have. Yeah, and so have I. But what I would be saying is, you know, I had a conversation with Luke. I said, what do you want to do? Where do you want to be? And I said, and he goes, I want to turn professional at some stage. Okay, I said, then you're going to have to, one, act like a professional, practice like a professional, and look like a professional. I said, put, put it this way to you. I showed him a picture of Alexander Norton's hands. I don't know if you've seen the one where he had... Oh, I've seen, I've, I've seen his hands. I've seen him up close in the rain, too. And, man... And I said to him, I said, Luke, I said, if you want to get on tour, you're going to have to outwork these guys. So he agreed anyway. And uh, so for the first month or so, he lived with me. So pretty much, um, I'd wake him up at six o'clock in the morning, get him into the range. He'd be in the range from 10. I wouldn't be finished until 10 o'clock. So he had nothing else to do but practice. So between 10 and 11 on the, the drive home, we would talk about what he did in practice. And he'd do that for four days a week, Monday to Thursday. And then he'd go play golf Friday and Saturday and have a day off. And within three months, his whole game changed around. I think this year, um, he has a stroke average of 70 or 69.9, which is pretty good. Um, but we work well together. You know, I'm a, I'll, I'll, um, if I ask him to do something, he'll go and do it. So the coach is only as good as the client. Um, so, yeah, you have to have to get to an elite level in any sport. If you look at any any professional sport, the guys are at top, work the hardest. There's no two ways about it. And golf, Paddy, you know yourself. Take three weeks off, four weeks off, right? You can't. Yeah. <laughs> you can't. Yeah, you hit it all. Uh, a couple of ones that you won't see. You, you'll duff a couple of chips. You, you'll have a few tree putts. Golf is a game where you have to put a bit of effort into it. And there, someone's coming for a lesson. You don't have to go and do 10 hours a day, but if you're going for a lesson, you need to at least do one hour a week um, and work on what uh, you're trying to change or improve. And, and not only does work ethic um, help you change technique but or uh, practice, but it also builds a bit of confidence. You know, it's... I always say, you'll always get better if you put effort in. You know, so, um, yeah, work ethic is important. And some people don't have to practice as much as others. Everyone's different. But when it comes to Luke, Luke loves practicing. He'll, he'll do the 10 hours. If, I ask, if you ask him to do 24 hours, he do. The hard part for him is telling him to take a day off, mm. which is great. Because um, he gets a little bit tired and grumpy. But... We won't talk about that. But everyone everyone is different. You know, like you practice a good bit, Paddy, don't you? Yeah, well, I kind of go off. Like, I don't like to play around the golf, and maybe even not even like a casual around the golf, because I want to enjoy it. For me to enjoy it is to shoot in and around my handicap to enjoy it. And if it's like if I have a scorecard in my back pocket, well, I'd like to do a couple better. So for me, from even a mental perspective, I need to have like a couple of rain sessions in that week. And you know, and, and definitely a chipping session because I like got got over the borderline chipping yips last year. You know, just just hadn't done enough practice, and and you know, technique was way out. So like for me, yeah, like I practice a couple of times a week, but like everyone thinks I play loads of golf. I don't. You know, I have a job and I have a family, and then you know, two kids, and 
Like, but I fit it in around my day. But like, it's not ours, but it's very focused. So, and we might have a chat about this in terms of your approach to do I hit a thousand balls or do I hit, you know, 50? But every last one of those 50 is with a view to executing a body move or, or to have a certain ball flight or shape. And that's the way I practice. So like we have this little range off the side of Craddock's Town. You can hit up to about a five iron. Um, Nails McGlynn would only be able to hit up to about an eight iron the size of him, um, lengthwise, not shape-wise. Um, you know, so I have to click the pause myself. So like, I'm not going to hit 200. You know what I mean? I'm going to hit 30 yeah. up and 30 yeah. down and 30 back up again and walk in home. So like, for that, that's why it's it's really yeah. productive sessions. You know what I mean? So what's your take on that? Like thousands of golf balls, thousands of hours versus very focused practice because everyone's very busy now. So like if, if we can devise a focused session, like that'd be ace for people. Yeah, one thing um, that was kind of obvious in COVID time when we couldn't get to the golf course and people were practicing into the net was that people were able to change their technique quicker because they weren't focused on the ball fight because they couldn't see it. They were more focused on technique. So I've often been asked, how, how, you know, how many swings would it take to, for me to change? Well, really, it can only take, it can take one, it can take a hundred, depending on, on, on the individual. But, you know, I remember listening to a podcast years ago about a group of uh, children in, in China, where for the first six months of their golf instruction, it was all into a net. So there were... You know, it was all about hitting positions, getting good dynamic movement. And the, the, the coach would have trackman. He was only able to see their numbers, but they were only able to see their golf swing. So when it came to a certain level where the coach said, okay, this guy is hitting it really well, or this woman's hitting it really well, they open up the blinds. They're playing, they're playing, they're playing, they're playing golf in six months, and the first ball fight to see is pure. Because they're not focused on the ball fight. So a lot of people, I would say, give up hope sometimes is where they try to change something and they hit the worst shot in the world. But I always say this to people is, if you continue what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. So for the ball flight to change, there has to be some sort of change. So depending on what you're working on, um, it can change in one shot, it can change in 100 shots. Simple stuff like posture can be done. That's not, you're not even hitting a golf ball there. That can be done at home in front of a mirror. So how many times have you stopped by a window of a shop and pretended you're, you have a golf club in your hand to, to, to work? Every shop. Every single one. <laughs> yeah. I, no, I even do it in the reflection of the car. But, like, golf is a very addictive sport. You know, and everyone wants to, like, you, you play with your same buddies, you know, you probably, you know, Tom Hackett would be a prime example. You want to beat Tom every time you go out and play. So I often have... Stretch, that, but I do. Yeah. Right? I often have Tom, Tom or um, a client come in and go, you know, hey, uh, I think you give uh, Johnny a lesson there last week. He's playing great. You bet me there. Uh, can you keep this between me and you that I'm getting golf lessons? Because he wants to go out and get beat better that again. So... You know, um, I'm, I'm fortunate enough, I have a good client base, um, and we, we, we enjoy the lessons, we have a bit of fun, um, uh, I, I, um, we do good hard work in the winter, we enjoy the golf in the summer, and I, one thing I do keep an eye on is my handi are the handicaps of my clients, 
So I have a database. Um, I, so I know what they were when they're starting. I know what they are when I, I see them three months later. And, you know, if someone's struggling, so yes, people struggle. Look, I, people struggle. I, I'll give them a little bit more love and attention because at the end of the day, they're paying for me to get better. Mm. And there's often times where a lad is, you know, maybe not 10, he's still not 10 a month later or two months later. I will go here, look, I'll give him a call. Let's come down and we do a two-hour session. And we'll, and a couple of weeks later, you get a text message, oh, I got caught him down to nine or eight, and they get on the road. You know, I mean, you have to remember, when someone's coming for golf lessons, they're coming because they're not playing good golf. So one, you have to change their technique, but two, you have to change their mindset. You have to get them thinking positively. You have to think, you know, get them in the, the right frame of mind. You know yourself, if you're, if you could be playing great golf, but if your mind is not in the right place, you're not going to produce the scores. So confidence is a big thing. You know, we'll, everyone that changes their technique, we'll always congratulate them or, you know, my phone will be, I get a couple of text messages. Like I even got one this morning there or two this morning. Um, Satan, uh, you know, got caught by a shot this morning. Uh, thank you very much. Um, you know, I, I haven't been caught in five years. That kind of stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. So they're the, I like challenges. I like someone coming in, here, look, I haven't been caught in four years. I'm playing off 20. I haven't been caught in four years. That's a challenge to me because I, I want to be the guy that gets them caught. So I'm a competitive guy. I might be hitting the shots, but I'm competitive for them. Do you get me? So No, no, I get you. No, absolutely. More so for yourself then. Like I know you're, you've, you've great visions of like the facility you want to have there in Concealy or maybe in time your own. Um, and I have a question in terms of people going to the range all the time and, and a lot of the pros in this country are set up in ranges, which is great. So I would always say I'm very good range golf, you know. Uh, fairway is okay, tee to green, like tee to green golf. But short game, that's where I lack. And maybe that's just a case of the country we're in that the weather we can't get onto short game areas outside as much as possible. Um, what's your view on that in terms of, like, for your for your players, for um, their short game up to a standard? How can you help for, them in that sense? Sure, because, obviously, Concili has a facility here, but because I'm doing 44, 45 lessons a week, long game, um, all my clients will be recommended to other short games experts. So... Okay. One will go to, I'll give an example, Luke is going to Owen O'Connor and Kenny Golf Club. Um, a few other guys will go to Donald Scott. Um, Ireland in this country, for all the best golf courses we have, we have really shit facilities. Right? I, I won't be afraid to say it. Concealy, it's the best driving range in the country. There's no two ways about it. The newest mats, the newest golf balls. More space, good signs, greens to hit onto. But you know, there's not like the GUI center is great, but that's only one place in the country. Yeah, but the GUI center is still, still like the shark mirror, still outside. It's like it's going to be pissing rain from now until end of February. Yeah. Well, and if we're lucky, like if we're not lucky until the end of April, yeah. you know, so, <laughs> no, so, so, I, so it is a ball for contention, all right. I, I was in Co Trackman, I went over with Trackman to Copenhagen to a place called the Eagle Club. And they had an indoor facility, um, 10 Trackman bays, and they had a massive short game uh, area. So for chipping and putting, which was world class. But 
unfortunately, there's obviously a big expense into that. Um, you have to get the right location. Then you have to charge. You know, for for three months of the year, it's quite tough. You know, you're yeah. going to get a lot of business for three months of the year, but the other remaining months, people want to be outside the minute the sun shines, or it's even even if it's freezing but not raining, people want to be outside. So, is an indoor facility with that viable in this country? Um, I, to answer the question, I don't know. Would I like yeah. to see one? Oh, I'm sure wouldn't it be great? Yeah. It would be great. But, you know, I think you'd have to have back and I think it'd have to be government backed. I, in my eyes, I'd love to see an indoor studio, a couple of indoor studios, a gym, a short game centre, a recovery centre, um, the whole package. But, unfortunately, Ireland's about 10 years behind most countries when it comes to development. Um, even though the last five or six years we've had how many major wins in golf? Mm, that's a good uh, trivia yeah. question. We, we, Harrington we have, 2, Lowry 1, McElroy's 5, that's 8, McDowell 9, Clark, Clark 10. You know, we, we, we're, for a small country, we were doing great. And something that gets in my head is, you know, something I would uh, kind of not annoys me, but everyone looks at America for instruction. You know, we don't look at other countries like uh, Sweden, England, Ireland. There's some great golf instructors here, but because we're a small country, everyone looks at America. You know, they look at American instructors. You know, we have some of the best golf instructors in this country, Michael Bannon being one, Brendan McDade, who coached Peter Laurie, who was Rookie of the Year on the European Tour. There's some great golf instructors in this country. Um, Bobby Brown, Lord Mercy on him, used to teach Damien McGrain, Michael Hoy. There's six European Tour winners to treat him. And I'm looking at guys in America are saying, oh, you know, we're this and this. But they haven't won. Their results. Results. There's results. And I'll never forget, Pete Cowan, the conversation was, who is the best golf coach? Well, he said, if you're going on, uh, what's the word, um, social media, he, he mentioned some guy, and he said, if you're going on results, it's both charm. So he said, the best golf coach in the world is results-based. So, um, and unfortunately, Irish pros don't get the, 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 the limelight, obviously, because we're a smaller country, but I think the GUI the PGA maybe could do a little bit better in exposing uh, some of the coaches we have in this country. There's some great coaches, Johnny Foster, you know, I, I can, Donald Scott, um, you know, I can think of a, a fair few, David Keating, you know, like David Keating was PGA coach of the year. But, you know, I, I think we could do a lot more promoting Irish coaches, Irish golf worldwide. Instead of being obsessed with other golf coaches, the way I put it, I can I can definitely support you on that one. It's actually something small I'm going to add to my little website. Is like um, not that it's going to be massive promotion on high globally, but uh, at least like a, a little place for people to go to, like check out who the coaches are, you know what tech they have, etc., and maybe some reviews and stuff like that, or people commenting about their their own feedback having gone to lessons. But given about you've you've really lost some coaches there. Do you have a favorite coach that you follow? And it could be an Irish coach or it could be Chris Como or is there anyone you, you'd follow or, or try and learn from? Paddy, I would 
always look at everyone. I don't just pinpoint on one guy um, because you can learn from everyone. Um, a, a, a first year assistant doing the PGA course might give a better uh, introduction lesson than I do. Um, you learn, you have to learn from everyone. If you don't learn from everyone, um, I think you're limiting the amount of uh, knowledge you can gain. Uh, you're, you're damaging the amount you can learn. Um, I would never have an opinion on how anyone teaches, how they, they go about their business. I just want to learn what to do. So we get back to the before and after thing. Mm. Why do coaches do that? One, to boost the morale of, of the client. Two, that the client can see what the coach is trying to get them to do. So everyone is different. Um, I would look at everyone. And that's the answer. I wouldn't have one guy that I would pinpoint and go, geez, I'd love to be him. Okay, I like Mike Bender kind of stuff. is good. John Foley. I could name them all. But mm. it would be silly of me if I didn't look at everyone and try and learn from everyone. You know, I even look at you, how you present talking-wise or, or appearance-wise. Everyone, you can learn from anyone. Um, so I, it'd be wrong of me to judge anyone, to, you know, think I'm better than anyone else. I'm not. I, I just, you know, I, I put in hard work. I do long hours. I'm fortunate enough that I get decent results. But I would look at everyone, and it, I would never put anyone down uh, you know, if someone said to me, oh, uh, Hank Haney, he wasn't a great golf coach, messed up Tiger Woods. I would go, well, Hank, Hank Haney has taught some of the best players in the world. I'd be like, how many Tiger Woods have you coached in your life? Yeah, you know what I mean? So you're going you're gonna to learn from, you know, they said Sean Foley had a part to play with, you know, with Tiger as well. But Sean Foley proved everyone wrong. He's, he's you know, he's, how many guys has he taught now that are, have won? You know, he's helped Justin Rose, he's helped uh, Cameron Champ. You know, even nowadays, people don't even talk about David Ledbetter anymore. Mm. You know, Ledbetter is one of the best golf courses in the world. He, Nick Faldo wouldn't have won all the majors unless Ledbetter uh, helps him change his technique. So, you know, everyone has their own opinion. But, I, you know, give me an example. If someone said, I guarantee if I asked you and said, no, Hank Haney is crap. You'd still want to sit down and have a talk with him for now, wouldn't you? Oh, I'd, I'd still take that seminar. Yeah. Yeah, so, look, I would go, anyone, I would listen to anyone. Get some information somewhere. It only can make me better. Oh, deadly. Deadly. So, across your, you, you put a number on yourself the last 17, 17 years, and it might be from a lesson, it might have been from your own, and PGA learning is down from under Jimmy Bodger and Kilkenny or traipsing around after Donnelly. Uh, have you any particular like memorable story or, or maybe from a lesson for us? Uh, let me think here, buddy. Uh, I suppose, you know, Kenny and Irish, uh, the AIB seniors often was good fun. Um, you know, uh, not, I suppose I have a lot of good memories, but there's not one that's really sticking out, unfortunately, buddy. Uh, I suppose, you know, obviously getting a text message, with, you know, of, of uh, James Templer when he won America, or even even uh, Harry Duggan, which was when he won the Kenny Scratch Cup. That was a great one because 
Why is that a great one? When, when Harry won the Scratch Cup, explain that one now for us. Well, uh, obviously, I did my PGA training in Kilkenny. So um, it was one that he wanted to win, and and it kind of felt a little better since I I I, uh, I worked in the golf club. Does that make sense? So it does. It was always, uh, and the two previous years, Mick Ryan finished second. Uh, Luke finished second after doing a stupid dab on, on his hole, but we won't talk about that. Uh, so oh, we won't mention the dab. Yeah, we won't mention the dab. Uh, you, know, you know what he's like. Um, but, no, that was a good one because Harry Harry wanted to, to you know, he's, he's achieved a good bit. He, he won the Kikini Scratch Cup. He got into um, college in America. Um, so that, that one, kind of, that and Temple winning college one in America was kind of cool. James coming down, taking a picture with me with the with the winning uh, trophy and stuff. That was, it's you know, getting a text message off off someone that's never been caught before. Starting golf, hey, I, I had my, I broke thirty six points for the first time. Got caught for everyone is you know just because they're prestigious events that someone's won or shot a score. It's sometimes it's, it's a lad that's never been caught in his life, and he gets he gets caught, and that they're the the ones. It's at the end of the day, I've I seen a stat. Uh, one in 1,080, I think it was, that to get to beat their handicap. Mm-hmm. Out of 1,000 golfers, only one out of that 1,000 beat their handicap worldwide. So, on, on a given there's day, a lot of shit golfers on the planet. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of golf <laughs> you know, That's why there's 380 golf balls in this country. But the, there's, there's, um, so getting a text message, you know. I've won this week, or I've I've got caught. I've you know I have a guy um, Jamie Kelly in um, in RD. He's gone from five down to, to I think he's nearly scratching it. Like getting a text, I had, I had just sixty nine today, lowest score I've ever had. They're the text messages that you want, or or uh, a guy that's never broke eighty, or even a guy that hasn't broke ninety, or a woman. Yesterday, uh, a woman, I'll mention her name, Arla. You know, finally, I, I I've got a shot off my handicap. So. No, she's got caught. I, I, I'm, I'm happy. Um, at the end of the day, Paddy, you go for golf pencils. You want to get caught. You get caught. You know what I mean? That's the whole idea. It's golf pro's job, getting paid to get someone caught. Oh, it's great that um, you know people who are looking for results, and every golfer is trying to get better. So everyone's looking for results, and yeah. that you're you're out there, and you're a man who's obviously passionate and and is fueled by the results that people feed back to you. So that's fantastic. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Okay, Mr. Gibbons, quick fire Q and A. Are you ready? I'm ready, Paddy. So all on. right, all right. This will be the hardest question of them all. What would your walk-on song be? All credence, uh, fortunate son. Some true, some track. Um, gym or pizza? Oh, pizza all day long. Advisor or a Keelan Rafferty bucket hat? I'm gonna have to go with Keelan's hat because I have no hair, so the advisor <laughs> look a bit stupid. <laughs> I'll get a bucket for you. Uh, Happy Gilmore or Tin Cup? Who doesn't like a long ball? Happy Gilmore. Walk or cart? Oh, walk. Win the Masters or win the Open? Masters. You think about that one, didn't you? I did, I did yeah, yeah, yeah. Instagram or Twitter? You can check it. Instagram or Twitter? Um, Twitter, you can't reply long enough, so I'm going to go Instagram. Man, play or practice? I love to play, but I haven't played in a long time, so I'm going to say practice. 
No, the, the latter half of this Q&A is more of a story time, right? And, and it's new as we finish, and well, as we get through the last, these last few episodes, you guys listening should be used to this at this stage. So it's Mr. Gibbons Owen, it's the end of the day of your lessons, can see the greens, or maybe a day following one of those elite players you have, and you get to sit down for dinner that evening, and you can bring any six people you want to the dinner, celebrity, golfer, VIP, you know, who are the six people? Right. Uh, I'm going to go family in this one. So, we'll go... Number one will be my son. My dad and my mother and my sister. So, that's what we're up to. Up to four. Four got already. Yeah. Uh, then I would probably go with Tiger Woods. You definitely pay for the dinner. Yeah. Lionel Messi. Lionel Messi. Interesting. Very good. Owen, thank you very much for your time. Little do the people listening know, but this is take four, I think. But we got there in the end. So thank you very much for your time. And I'll see you I'll see you in Conceivy soon. Cheers, buddy. All the best. That was Owen Gibbons. I hope you enjoyed the chat. If you did, leave it on review, sure. Sticking out five stars on that baby and send it in. Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can leave reviews. Or um, just go on to my Instagram or the Twitter machine, at Paddy underscore golf. Tell me how you feel. Rant. Let's have a chat. Doesn't really matter. Talk to me about anything. We are back in lockdown. I'm here looking out at the golf course. I'm four meters away from one. So I do feel for people who aren't four meters away from one, at least I have a decent view. But we're nearly there, folks. So we only have like four weeks to go. We'll be all feeling the Christmas feels. I hope you get on for some late, late golf, midwinter golf before the end of the year. Yeah, some late year golf. So if you have any questions or if you just want to have a chat about golf throughout this lockdown 2.0 here in Ireland, just reach out, get on to me. Happy to have a chat. Uh, happy to take your opinion. And you never know, we might turn a podcast out of it. But yeah, thanks for pressing play every week. Leave reviews if you can. And let me know who you'd like to hear on the show. Tag them in any episodes you like and share yourselves. So yeah, I'll stop talking now. Quick shout out to Derek Murray uh, on the recommendation of the outro music. Cheers, D. Talk to you soon. And I'll talk to you all soon, next week, on next week's episode. So yeah, until we team up again soon, I'm Paddy.